Radio Drama Revival. Welcome to part two of our focus on convergence and especially the Mark Time Radio Words. In the first of these two episodes you heard today, um, you heard from the gang of Great Northern Audio Theatre as well as from yours truly talking about Mark Time and radio drama. And uh, now let's get to some entertainment um, stories. Stories today are from the 2008 Mark Time Radio Show, um, the radio award show that the uh, Great Northern guys do every year. Um, this piece, this particular year, included Magic Notes, Broken Tea Bridge, and The Last Shuttle. I've always enjoyed the Great Northern stuff, but now um, knowing what it takes to put this on and uh, what the extraordinary schedule they work and all that just gives me all the respect in the world. I hope you enjoy this part from a 2008 Mark Time radio show. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the Mark Time radio show is on the air. Thank you for being here. I'm Jeffrey Adams, and I'm delighted to welcome you to the Mark Time Awards live audio theater performance at the 10th anniversary Convergence. <laughs> We're going to bring you a little diversion from your dull science fiction and fantasy-filled lives. Radio is a very visual medium. Radio is a very visual medium, even though all of the pictures are in your own mind's eye. As our friend David once said, the best aliens are the ones only you can see. First, we'll take you to a small country house where concerned parents have decided to homeschool their children in one of those places where the inside is bigger than the outside. So, cue the sound effects, cue the cast, and cue the cue cards. Let the play Magic Notes begin. And this is the library, Master Figgins. It will be your classroom. You don't see libraries with the rolling spiral ladders anymore. Quite impressive, Mrs. Fandrell. Please call me Valeria. The library came with the house when we inherited it from Charlie's father. He was quite a famous wizard in his day. Really? Oh, of course. Your father was Luther Spandrell of the Hoodoo Wonder Workers. Yes, that's him. Hmm. Then I would expect to see more of the esoteric references on the shelves here. This seems to be mostly the, the standard texts. There, there are a few more books locked in a safe behind that smaller bookcase. He always told us they were dangerous and shouldn't be taken lightly. I don't know what he meant by that. We tried packing them all in boxes and putting them in the attic once. It didn't work. Oh? They kept unpacking and putting themselves back on the shelves. <laughs> And they've been moving around even more lately. Well, that tells you something. And, and you, uh, you're not interested in magic? Uh, not really. I'm an accountant. Uh, what do you mean? What does that tell us? Well, clearly Luther had something in mind for this library. Oh, that's true enough. He put it in his will. Yes. He, he said we could have the house, but we had to teach our children about m- magic in order to keep it. And? Have you? Oh. We've certainly tried. The local middle schools offered a course that they called Modern Magic, but some fundamentalist electronics groups insisted on the class including technology as an alternative 
theory? Unfortunately, yes, that's unfortunately too, all too common in schools today. That's when we decided to homeschool the girls and hired the first tutor. Exactly. We, we wanted them both to be able to get into the best schools. Oh, like the Alice Cantrap School of Magic. Uh, do you mind my asking who was your previous tutor? Oh, not at all. Um, he called himself Professor Chokesputter. Choker? Logan Chokesputter? Yes, that, that was it. <laughs> he turned out to be quite unsuitable. We dismissed him. Yes, I see. I'm sorry to say I'm not surprised. You know him? Yes, I do. He's very good on magical theory. In the classroom, we called him Lullaby Logan for his, uh, shall we say, lack of inspiration. Oh. He did seem rather lackluster. Dull as a stuffed rodent, I'd say. Like a porcupine. Oh, wait. A porcupine isn't a rodent. A beaver. Now that's a rodent. Uh, would you like to meet the girls? Yes, I think it's about time. Riley, Nikki, would you come down here, please? What for? In a few minutes. I'm on a new level. Now, girls. Your new teacher is here. Oh, no. Just a minute. New level? What's that about? She's got some new video game. Ah, here they are. Master Figgins, this is Nikki, our youngest. She's 12. How do you do? What's that game you were playing? It's a new one, based on that movie, Prince Casper, the Friendly Ghost of Narnia. The book's better than both of them. And this is Riley, and she is 14. Hello, Riley. I am Master Figgins, and I'm going to introduce you both into the arts of magic. Okay. You don't sound very excited about the prospect. Don't you want to learn magic? Well, it's pretty boring now, isn't it? Yeah, boring. Well, I wouldn't say that. Didn't your other tutor show you anything that was fun or new? No, not really. Hmm, we're going to have to do something about that. Is it all right if we begin tomorrow morning? That would be fine. Okay, I guess. Very good. I think this library will make an excellent classroom. It has spirited acoustics. I'll be back in the AM. Good night. He disappeared. Where did he go? Well, he is a wizard now, isn't he? Yes. Aren't they always supposed to come and go like that? Cool. Oh, good morning, girls. How are we today? Okay, I guess. Just a minute. I'm almost done with this level. No, I think you're done. Now. Hey! Oh, you'll be able to find it again when class is over today. So, how far had Professor Chokesbutter gotten in your instruction? Had he covered basic wand movement? Yes. Okay. Magical conduits? Never heard of that. Transposition? No. Spell improvisation? No. How long was he here? Seven weeks, seven years. Oh, and he hadn't gotten to improv or transpose yet. Well, what did he get to? We read about spells in a book. And we practiced waving around a wand around like this. Uh, yes. How about some wand variations? I don't know. Like what? The, the, the sweep. Like this, the roundhouse. The screwdriver, that's like this. You can do that? He never showed us that. Yeah, all we ever did was like this. 
point, extend your arm, wiggle the tip a little. That's all. Oh no, there's so much more to it than that. What spells did he give you? Levitation. Yes, yes, show me with that book. Like this. Up, down, up, down. Can you put it back on the shelf? No. <sighs> Try this. Wow, show me how you do that. It looks to me like old Choker was giving you a cookie cutter. Just enough to start something but no idea how to finish it off. We're going to have to fix that. With what? What do you mean? To do magic well, you can't just follow a recipe. You have to understand the principle behind it and then add a little bit of your own into the mix. That's what gives it style and power. To quote the famous sorcerer Thelonious Cole, magic is like jazz. It's a poor wizard who doesn't take that basic spell and make it his own. Show us something else. Can we make stuff disappear? I'm going to get to that and other things I think you're like, but first I want to show you about transposition. Is that making something into something else? No, 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 that's transliteration. Transposition has to do with making the magic your own. So it will become more powerful or change its course of action or to work against or in conjunction with other magic. I don't get it. Okay, okay. Let's say you want to get into a high wizard's tower and he has warding spells on the door. What's a warding spell? That's like a security alarm system. It prevents anyone from getting in, or warns them that someone is trying to get in, or even both. Okay. In a video game, you have to disable the alarm, but not set it off. Right. That's the idea. But there aren't any wires to cut. That would probably set it off anyway. Right. You want to be careful and check out what you're up against first. Let me just cast around here, see if there's anything. Anything. Anything? Ah, that's what I was sensing. There is some kind of spell around that hidden safe. A presence. Fair or foul? Hidden safe? Yeah, behind the short bookcase. Didn't you know that? No. It's where Grandpa hid all the dangerous magic books. So with a light touch of my wand, I gently probe the bookcase to see what I can find out about this spell without jiggling it too much. There's that purple glow on the bookcase. You can see that? Sure, I see that stuff all the time. I thought it was like static electricity or something. Oh, beware of the formally educated. No, 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 no. That's the nimbus surrounding a working spell. I can't see anything. It's quite rare to be able to see it without extensive training, but it's the, like the aura you sometimes see around the moon. We can work on that with you, Nikki. Oh, good. So, with the wand, I push gently to see what kind of spell it is. Now, Riley, you see how the nimbus sort of flashes toward the left there? Yeah, it's like the wind is blowing right? in. Right, but it's not the wind, that's the grain of the spell, like the way some grass grows all in the same direction. Or the way you can draw lines in velvet? Yes, by going against the grain. Is it like Velcro? No, not quite. So, I turn my hand with the wand at the wrist, but keep pushing gently, see how the nimbus smooths out and doesn't flicker anymore. Yes. Okay, that's a part of transposition. Now, I can push a little bit harder, going with the grain and turning my wrist to keep the nimbus smooth. And there. Slips right off the side. 
Tetris to the chair. Nikki, this is so cool. That is transposing. Changing the focus of the spell, moving with the magic and not against it. It's all in the wrist. Let me try it. We need a starting point. Can you do that levitation that Riley did? Sure. Okay, show me. Ow! I stuck my wand in the side of the table and got a sliver in my finger. I'll get the tweezers. No, 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 wait. You know that a sliver of your wand is just as good as the whole wand. It is? It's kind of uh, holographic. Just try it again without the wand and more gently. And point just your finger. Oh, that's a rather unfortunate finger to get a sliver in, but it should still work anyway. <laughs> yes, just like, like this. That. Yes, like that. Now, now, now. Slowly turn your hand over. Yes. See the book turns over too? Good. Now go easy and point toward that, uh, that, that empty space on the far shelf. Now push with your fingers, not your arm. It'll go by itself. I can see the, what's it called? That's the Nimbus. Yeah, the Nimbus is pink, sort of orange. Nikki, lift now at the elbow and turn a little more. You can fit the book right into that space uh, by the globe. Right. Good. Oh, very nice touch there. I like the glitter. Cool. I don't know how I did that. What else can we do? Well, I was planning some magical scales today, but I guess we follow this tune a little more. Awesome. Let's go back to that uh, stack of books on the floor over there. We don't lift them all at once. No multi-flasking. We do it one at a time, in order. And then they just follow each other right to where we want them to go. Like this. Somebody has been rearranging the books in the library, or something has, so let's put it right. And it didn't work. Nice mess. I bet there's a magical way to clean that up. I hope so. We could use it when Mom says to clean up our room. That'd be great. Good morning, Riley. Hi, Nikki. Hey, Master Figgins. Good morning, Master Figgins. Hmm, that's a mess. What happened here? We were trying to make our oatmeal into something we wanted to eat. Like what? Whipped cream with chocolate sprinkles. Well, looks like it almost worked. All you really needed was to include a container in the spell. We should have thought of that. How do we clean it up? Me? I'd use a damp rag myself. Ugh. What? You'd eat it, but you don't want to touch it? No, I don't want to touch it. I want to do it with magic. I see. You've been practicing moving books around on the shelves. That wasn't us. Hmm. Strange. Well, let's see if I can summon a damp towel and maybe a carpet spray. <laughs> What is that? Just a little cleaning spell. It sounds like when Professor Chokesputter was here. He made a noise like that. What exactly was he doing? Just before my parents came in and fired him, he was doing some kind of a spell that sounded like this. Yeah, he was in this stupid costume. Costume? What kind of costume? It was like a gorilla suit with a diving helmet on it. And it smelled... Sounds like he was trying for something really big. 
Mom and Dad came in and found him dancing around in the gorilla suit and waving a candle. And then a suit caught on fire, and they had to get a fire extinguisher and put him out. Riley, can you see a Nimbus? Yes, it's kind of all around the big bookcases. What color is it? It's kind of blue and all shimmery. Like it's electric. Yes, electric blue. Uh, that sounds like maybe Esperanto. I think the professor must have been in the middle of a summoning spell, and he didn't reset it before he left. Oh, great. I hate leftovers. You never know where they've been. What is it? I'm not sure. You were here. What was he summoning? I don't know. I wasn't listening. Something about ancient wisdom and old books, I think. Is it a demon? I don't think so, but field research on demons is kind of problematic. Are you going to do something? Yeah, do something. Well, all right, let's see if it will tell us who it is, shall we? Apparition, speak. Tell us who you are. That's its name. Speak to us now. Speak to us under a pain of, uh, pain of what? Rap music. Ah, good. <laughs> under pain of rap music. <laughs> what did he say? That's Latin, silly. It means, what, me worry? Good, Nikki. Good, Nikki. It also means that he isn't going to be alarmed about us. Who summons me? I am Master Figgins, Borderland Wizard, with a very full portfolio. You are? Jeez, Riley, don't you know anything? Well, I wish you'd get on with the summoning. I set up a flare of distress. It gets answered, and then I'm left floating in magical limbo for far too long. And I'm starting to dissipate. And just who might you be? I am... Dennis. The ghost of dead language. Ghost of... which language? No, not any particular language, just all dead ones. Don't you listen? Apologies, apologies. What can we do? I am the ghost of dead language, and if I disappear, they go with me. And now, I'm weakening. I'm dissipating, losing my incorporeal coherence, joining the choir invisible. Master Figgins, the Nimbus is fading. It's not so sparkly anymore, and it's kind of gray instead of blue. See? Better get moving. Do something! Underlay! Underlay! Well, that's an overused word, but hardly a dead language. Oh, for grid's sake! Okay, okay, sorry. Do you know what kind of summoning spell is being used? <laughs> How should I know it's your spell? I'm sorry, it isn't. Somebody else initiated the spell. I wasn't here. Well, neither was I! Don't look at me. I wasn't listening. Okay, okay, well, let's try this. But it's still not sparkly. Please, please hurry! I can feel me slip sliding away! 
Come on, girls. This is going to take a lot of magic. You've got to help me. What do we do? You can see what I'm doing with the wand. Start with that, and then transpose it. You mean, like, turn it over? Don't hold it so tight. Easy. Use your, your, your fingers. Like this? Yes, good, good. That's better. Can you feel how that tingles your fingers? Is this okay? <laughs> hey, that tickles. Remember how you lifted the books? Start with that, and then transpose it. From a lift into a pull. We have to pull him back. We need an attractive force. I'll try. Hey, I can see the glow thingy. It's all blue and everything. Come on, girls, work with me. We need to make a new charm out of a broken spell. Does magic always work like that? Not always, but every now and then. Awesome! <sighs> I'd like to thank you all for reeling me back from the edge of the abyss. Uh, Dennis, I'm glad we were able to help, though I'm not sure we've left you in any better a place than you were before. Oh, contraire, mon frere, I am the ghost of dead language, and I am both rescued and liberated into a library? <laughs> I am unaware how that could be more propitious. I see what you mean. So, let's see what we have, and let's see what our options are. Girls, got any ideas? Mom, Dad, we saved a ghost. Yeah, it was so cool. Oh, okay, calm down, girls. What now? Mr. and Mrs. Spandrell, I'd like you to meet Dennis. He's agreed to be your new librarian. I didn't know we needed one, but okay. Pleased to meet you, Spandrills. But uh, isn't he a ghost? Yes, I believe it is. But all that means is that you don't have to pay him or feed him. Huh? Just be polite. He'll be fine. Works for me. Excellent. Oh, and your daughters are doing very well in their magic lessons. What do you think, girls? Magic is way cool. Wicked. Well... We've had a very full day, so I will be taking the rest of the afternoon off. There must be some place around here where a tired wizard can catch a nap and maybe a flag in the veil. But I'll be back first thing Monday morning. Riley, Nikki, practice your spells. See you, Master Figgins. So, girls. What is this about saving somebody? Master Figgins was showing us how to use the wand and transfer magic finger, but to make it stronger, and he found a lot of spells that were like, you know, and he finds it It's okay, and now we need an it's all blue and shimmery. You have just heard the world premiere performance of Magic Notes by Jerry Stearns and Brian Price, directed by Brian Price. Tonight's performers feature the vocal talents of Michael Fishbein, okay. yes. Wendy Bowlesby, 
Tim Wick, Eleanor Price, Megan Peterson, and Wally Wingert. Our music provided by Michaeline Sheehy on saxophone, Keith Spears on keyboards, and Michael Dr. Dr. Hook Deutsch on harmonica. Audio recording and mixed by Jerry Stearns and Chris Markman. Well, next up, we'd like to continue a little tradition of ours by featuring a single voice prose poem written by Brian Price in performance by Eleanor Price. This is Under the Broken Tree Bridge. On the way back from West Jefferson Park, the creek crosses behind the ball fields, flows under the interstate, cuts a hard curve into a sandbank, and then dribbles on beyond the broken tree bridge. The highway kind of makes it like a bridge over a bridge. It always smells dark and mummy cold under there, but it's the fastest way home. We were on our way home. I think Tina saw it first, but Richard says he did. We all stopped and stared at the same time. What is it? Oh, yuck. I swear it was a dinosaur, or at least pretty close. It was under the fallen tree half out of the water, like it had crawled and evolved as far as the sand. And it pulled back lips and white teeth, matted and skinny with flies. A tail where you could see the bone with bits of fur and maybe scales. And it was dead, definitely dead, probably dead, most likely. Richard said, it might be a million years old. Don't you dare touch it, Tina commanded, and grabbed my hand. We had to push through the weeds and slide down some dirt to get a closer look. Richard found a stick to poke it with and moved in. I slid down the muddy bank right behind him. We crept up to it in silence. Richard had the stick ready and poked the sand next to the carcass just a little with its tip. It smells like poop down here, Tina said. Dragonflies buzzed and the sun cut under a cloud. I set my school pack down and said to Richard, give me the stick. Something splashed, but I didn't jump. Maybe I did. Did it move? Nah, of course not. Richard honked a scared laugh. Man, I thought I saw it move. It's definitely probably a dinosaur, but probably not a Trianosaurus. Maybe it's a raptor, said Tina. What do you know about raptors? They've got sickle-shaped claws and they traveled in packs. God, what are they teaching you kids in kindergarten? We should call the Smithsonian, or maybe the FBI. Way off in the distance, I think I heard thunder, or maybe it was just cars banging away on the bridge up above. Come on, help me try and pick it up, I said, and slid the stick under the creature's body until it wouldn't go any further. Richard grabbed hold, and we tried to lift the fuzzy, soaked, broken back thing. It just got heavier and heavier. The tail dripped, and the stick bent almost in half. It must be a billion years old, Tina said. Kinda looks like a dead squirrel. Nah, it's a lot more than that, Richard said in a reverent whisper. It's much more. It's a missing link. Maybe the missing link. It's not mammalian, but it's proto-mammalian. This one is probably whatever came between dinosaurs and rats. Paleontologists are always looking for it. They need it. Wow, this was big. Then there was a crack. The stick snapped, and we scrambled over each other getting up the bank. Tina's shoes were soaked, and the bottom half of my math book was wet. It moved. I saw it move that time. I want to go home. 
The ancient thing lay belly up on the shore. It had black holes for eyes, and it stared at us. We thought about trying to move it again, maybe hiding it so nobody else would find what we found. Tina wanted to give it a funeral first, which seemed like a good idea. But it was getting late, so we decided to go home, wash with soap, and come back the next day with a heavy-duty Ziploc plastic two-gallon bag, a shoebox, and a bigger stick. The thunder was really thunder, and that night it rained a hard, heavy, dark, soaking rain that cleared the air and washed all the gutter trash down the storm sewers. We left five minutes early the next morning and walked back up to the broken tree bridge. We searched all around, down the stream, up the stream, and the cattails, but the rain must have washed away the missing link that had been searched for by so many for so long. We went on, we had to, we had no choice. We had to get to school, but I felt bad. We came so close, and science was never to recover from the loss. Thank you very much, Eleanor, and thanks again to our entire Mark Time Show cast. A special thanks to Misfits for supporting the Mark Time Awards, and a huge thank you to Convergence for making this performance and the whole weekend possible. Well, well, now that the hope for finding intelligent life on Earth has diminished, we often hear the question, has intelligent life from elsewhere visited us? Here is our offering, The Last Shuttle, with an answer you don't often hear. A man named James is walking across the North Brick Valley Mall parking lot towards a car. A minivan, really. They're all minivans now, aren't they? He's walking directly toward the van. A woman has just climbed into the driver's side seat and found her keys. But the minivan won't start. You'd think that for one, one has to pay for those things, they'd start. Two school-aged children are sitting in the back seat in soccer uniforms. They're old enough to have buckled their own seatbelts. They're slapping each other. Shut up. You shut up. Mother, she's staring at me. Perhaps we should step back across the parking lot for a moment, back to the tubs of Sud's laundrette, where James just was, where he'd been talking with Liza Gaborson, the assistant manager and resident lint trap specialist. You could fill up the Metrodome with the lint I've seen. What can I do you for? I think I lost my laundry. I don't know what happened. I went out for a smoke just for a minute, came back in, and it's gone. Read the sign. Up there? Okay. Not responsible for lost or stolen items, signed the management. You know, that ought to be the motto for the entire universe, I swear. They ought to just hang that sign on the front door of the galaxy that says, not responsible for anything. Please enter at your own risk. That'd save us all a whole heck of a lot of trouble. Who's to say they haven't? Oh, well, my socks weren't much to write home about anyway. Hey, wait a minute. What's that headline say? Clone leaves home, shaken Seattle billionaire reveals all. Is that really true? The national sludge don't lie. I love this stuff. Can I see it for a minute? You can look at it, but you can't keep it. I need parts of it for my files. I'm keeping track of a few things. There's wonderful, amazing, crazy patterns out there in everything. 
in headlines, graffiti, the numerology of barcode numbers. You know, I found the number six, 12 times in a row on a box of crispy checks one time. Wow, that must have been frightening. Only if you don't know what you're up against. These headlines crack me up. Like this one, dog boy of Mendota buys condo. What's that about? Now don't make fun. That boy moved in next door to my son. He's got a good job programming computers at the Humane Society, and except for the fleas, he's a model tenant. And he fits the pattern. The pattern? What pattern? The only pattern. The one that says, we are not alone. The dog boy is just another poor alien trying to fit in. Oh, oh my gosh. Here they are. Oh, this is it. This is it. This is what I've been looking for. This is important. Where are my scissors? What? What, what are you talking about? This is proof. This is absolute proof. They're leaving. Shut up. You shut up. Mother, I can't take much more of this. In another life, another place, in another universe, the woman with the two children might be a warrior or a goddess or, a, or valued more than whatever she's valued here. She might not be as cold. She might not have whatever stuck to the front seat stuck to her. But now she's simply wishing the key would work, that the van will finally start. She's wishing that all that she must do will get done. She wants to go home. And James continues to get closer to the minivan. He's got a long stride. He slides by an Oldsmobile and a Nissan Sentra. A Pontiac backs out of a spot and barely misses him. He doesn't seem to see it. He looks purposeful, intent. He waves his hand at the van. It's here. It's all here. It fits. It's wonderful. Lindsay Lohan to wed Bigfoot. Madonna not invited. Well, I guess I can buy Madonna being an alien, but... No, not that one. This one. Oh, right. Okay, um... Giant Rogue Asteroid heralds the return of the dinosaurs. Time to run backwards. Angel reveals all to Minnetonka Trucker. These fit your pattern? And it's crystal clear. Well, in this case, the first part is actually just self-fulfilling prophecy. The asteroid giveth, the asteroid taketh away. Makes sense. But uh, how about time to run backwards? Ah, uh, that's just simple inverted remedial post-Eistinian bipolar quantum epistemology. Time doesn't run in a straight line. It's always doing something crazy. But it's this next part that really caught my eye. Oh, same here. Angel reveals all to Minnetonka trucker. Darn, those truckers get all the luck. And it all fits just like a bug in a rug. Time is going to run backwards. Those who came before will come again. That's the dinosaurs. And the angels will arrange grace through transportation. Transportation? Yeah, the shuttles. You see, aliens and angels have been coming here for thousands of years, a million maybe. Dropping hints, leaving rune stones around, slipping transistor radios under the pyramids, the usual stuff. But now I believe that they're done. They're not coming. They're going, but they've always been pretty responsible for tourists. I think they'll want to put the planet back like they found it. Hence the dinosaurs. Yep. And with global warming, leaking sarin bombs, spilling all over the place, and cable TV rates skyrocketing, 
I wouldn't want to be the last one out the door if you know what I mean. In these modern times, most prayers are spoken in automobiles. They always begin in the same way. Please, God, please let the car start. Don't leave me here. Not now. Not with these children. <laughs> give it back. I don't have it. Mother, make her give it back. The woman in the minivan takes a deep breath. She just wants to go home. She tries to hold back a tear, and then she tries it again. What if I told you an angel came in here just now and took your laundry? Her dryer was next to yours. She got a little mixed up. Lady, I'd say you were crazier than I thought you were. But I don't think angels make mistakes. I think they read the signs just like anyone of sensitivity and intelligence. I think she came in here looking for you. And you got all of this out of reading the National Sludge? I just call them like I see them. I don't interpret. Why would an angel be looking for me? Maybe they believe in you. Yeah, right. You don't believe in angels. Oh, sure I do. I believe in everything the magazines and the TV tell me. That aliens have landed, that fairies feed them toadstools. I believe in lost sailors, tunnels of light, and the kisses of angels. Oh, especially the kisses of angels. But mostly, I believe I am a true American and that the one true faith is dumb luck. Then what do you fear? I don't know. The dark, my mistakes, my luck running out, getting left behind. Oh, if that ain't a sign, I don't know what is. She walked out that door about five minutes ago. James goes out the door and walks out across the North Brick Valley Mall parking lot. The minivan still will not start. Hey, bud, I've got these if you want them. Liza is waving a pair of recently washed size 42 men's sports-style boxer shorts. Knowing full well that nobody wants to wear somebody else's underwear, no matter how many times it has been washed. James ignores her. He doesn't look back. He walks by an abandoned shopping cart. He slides by the Oldsmobile and the Nissan Sentra. The Pontiac backs out of a spot and barely misses him. He doesn't seem to see it. He waves his hand at the van. He begins to run. The minivan starts up, starts to back out of its space. James is out of breath, but he catches up. He stands in the minivan's path, trying to catch the woman's eye. He calls out, take me with you. Wait, take me with you. He comes around the van and mouths the words of the hard, closed passenger side window. Take me with you. The woman leans over a laundry basket and across the seat. The passenger side minivan door pops open. James climbs in. The van lifts slightly and levitates. Then it's gone. And that was Great Northern Audio Theater's 2008 Mark Time radio show. You can find more, plenty more at Great Northern's website, uh, Great Northern audio.com we also have featured them on the show before if you type in uh, great northern audio theater on radio drama revival.com you will find them um, i would particularly recommend you hear uh 
High Moon, as well as Dialogue with Martian Trombone. Excellent pieces. Um, so anyways, uh, next week we are going to stay with Convergence, the Mark Time theme, for just a little bit longer. We're going to feature the gold um, Mark Time Award winner, um, 19 Nocturne Boulevard with Julie Hoverson. Um, great piece. And then we'll uh, get on to some new work. Uh, we've got some really fun stuff coming up after that. Uh, so between then and now, you can hear more at the blog, radiodramarevival.com, a link to subscribe to the podcast, archives of previous episodes, reviews from the Malleus series by Chris Duker, and my short column called Fred's Fuse, which is not about my anger, by the way. And uh, you can also go up while you're there and join the conversation, leave a comment or two. You can also find us on iTunes, search for Radio Drama Revival. Um, if you do have something you want to hear on the show, um, either your own work or someone else, you can drop me feedback directly, fred at radiodramarevival.com. There's also a contact form and a submit form on the website, radiodramarevival.com. And um, that wraps it up for this week. Uh, radio Drama Revival is produced by me, Fred Greenhalgh. Copyright of individual radio shows remains to the original producers, but do please share this uh, radio show podcast as much as you'd like. Radio Drama Revival originates in on-air radio at WMPG FM, Greater Portland, Maine's community radio station, and is podcast at radiodramarevival.com. It is a labor of love. So until next time, keep your mind and your ears open. Thanks for tuning in, and have a great week. Mm-hmm.